We have a family service. This is wonderful. I'm happy. Normally that means I get out of teaching. But it didn't work out this time. But really, what you guys are all here for, I know it's me, second, firstly. Secondarily, it's potluck. And that's really why everybody's here. We're all excited. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. But before we get to the fun part, you guys got to sit back and listen to me. Now, if you don't know me or you just can't remember my name, my name is Mark Williams. I am the pastor and elder here at Pierce Point. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It wouldn't be, I wouldn't be teaching if I didn't make a Mark joke because I love you, Mark. My name is Jacob Dolezal. I run the kids' ministry in the back, and I am one of your deacons. Now, over the past couple weeks, we've been doing this fascinating series in Genesis. I think we're on part three, right? And the focus the past couple weeks by Nathan and by Dwayne has been about Abraham. Now, we're going to be looking at Abraham again today, but instead of just focusing in on one passage or one aspect of Abraham's life, we're going to be looking at his life as a whole from a big picture lens. But before we get to all that, there's still one more thing we've got to talk about. As you can tell, a lot of you know what today is. Today is Championship Sunday. The final four teams to make it to the Super Bowl. Eagles, Niners, Chiefs, and our very own Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Who would have thought we'd be in this position two years in a row? After all this heartbreak, year after year after year. I mean, the last... There, there is still a chance. But... We have hope. We have, okay, Nathan. All right, all right. San Francisco's there, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what we want. Anyway, you'd think that last year kind of felt like a fluke, right? Because all these years of failure after failure after failure, but they're actually starting to prove us wrong. I remember one year in particular, uh, 2016, uh, the Bengals were playing the Steelers, and it was like one minute left, and we had the ball, and it was like, oh, my gosh. My dad, he, he's one of those people that he does, it's not over till it's over. But at this point, he decided, oh, my gosh, they're actually going to do it. They're going to win. And immediately, Jeremy Hill fumbled, and everything went, we lost. <laughs> so how many of you guys actually th think that, we're going we're gonna to win today. That's awesome. Now, how many of you believe that God has your life in his hands completely? Oh, that's great. I was not expecting the same enthusiasm, but I'm very happy to see that. If we're going by the whole track record thing, I'd say God has a much better track record that we can take to the bank than the Bengals. <laughs> But isn't it funny how sometimes we can get caught in the moment and have more faith in a football team than the God of the universe? Now, if you haven't guessed by now, our focus today is we're going to talk about Abraham's faith. First, let's define faith. That would be easy enough. I mean, we talk about it enough. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the certainty of things hoped for and a proof of things not seen. For years, Nathan's talked about it in this analogy of sitting back in a chair. You have faith in the chair, so you put your weight and you take back and you rest in it. 
The great Chuck Swindoll wrote, in each episode of the patriarch's life story, Abraham, he had to choose between God's words and some other influence. Fear, his own desire, family pressure, danger, greed, the same distractions that we face today. So I'm going to read the story of Abraham, all of the chapters. No, I'm just kidding. They're doing a summary. Guys, it's me teaching. Why would I read all the chapters? And then I want you to be thinking about the areas or moments of Abraham's life where he displays great faith. And then we're going to talk about it. And you better be paying attention or Bo is going to come around and beat you with his paper wad that he carries around. You think I'm joking. <laughs> At the age of 75, Abram received a dramatic call from God. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. This call included a wonderful promise. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all of the families, the earth shall be blessed. Abram obeyed promptly, heading south to the land of Canaan. He was joined by his wife, Sarai, his, his nephew, Lot, and their household servants. Abram continued to move around. He went going further south when a famine struck the land. Abram sought refuge in the wealthy country of Egypt. This was a risky proposition at the time. Because Abram knew that the Egyptians were likely to seize his beautiful wife. And he feared that they would eliminate him in order to marry her legally. So he chose to rely on a half-truth. He described her as his sister instead of his wife. <gasps> exactly in keeping with his fears, the Egyptians selected Sarai to be the future concubine of the pharaoh. Abram immediately gained wealth and influence in Egypt because everybody thought he was her brother, until God revealed to Pharaoh what was really going on. Pharaoh responded in anger, calling Abram, rebuking him for his deception, giving him Sarai back, which is, I'm shocked by that, and sending him out of the country. So Abram returned to Canaan. During this time, Lot and Abram both received massive, immense wealth, leading to friction between the servants as the room for, for their livestock. Recognizing this difficulty, the two men decided to go separate ways, on friendly terms. Lot chose to go toward the plain of Jordan, a beautiful land with fertile location that was located between two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. Abram, after receiving another message from God, that he would indeed inherit the land of Canaan, headed toward the location of Hebron, not Kentucky. I know, I know. I was confused at first, too, thinking logistically, but it's not. So around this time, a war broke out on the plain of Jordan. A coalition of kings conquered Sodom and Gomorrah, seizing the cities and their inhabitants, including Lot. Abram responded by arming his servants and pursuing the victorious kings. Think about that for a second. Your, your job is to just be a shepherd and a, your boss comes up. It's like, hey, grab a sword. We're going to go fight a bunch of kings. And they won. After defeating the allied force, Abram rescued the inhabitants and released them, including his nephew. And then in a re remarkable act of piety, 
Abram gave a tenth of everything to the priest-king called Melchizedek and received a blessing from him. Around this time, Abram became increasingly concerned about his need for a son. How could he inherit Canaan and become a great nation if he didn't have a single descendant? In response, God promised him with certainty that he would have a son and confirmed that he would inherit the land of Canaan. Sarai, also eager for a descendant, decided to take matters into her own hands. She encouraged her husband to take Hagar, one of her maids, and have a child with her. Abram agreed, happy wife, happy life. Hagar became pregnant, and then Sarai became jealous because she was pregnant. God responded again by assuring Abram of his promise. He made a covenant with him, renaming him Abraham, which signified that he would be the father of a multitude of nations. God also gave Sarai the name Sarah, signifying, signifying you know, it would help if I could read what I had written, that, would, that she would be a princess of peoples. God also called on Abram to confirm this covenant by submitting to the painful procedure of circumcision, which Abraham obeyed that night. At the age of 99, Abraham invited three mysterious strangers to enjoy a meal with him and receive hospitality. When they prophesied that Sarah would bear a son within the year, Sarah, overhearing, laughed, but they insisted that it was true. The three men departed on their way to the city of Sodom, and Abraham walked with them. Stopping to talk with one of them while two of them continued on, suddenly Abraham was in a conversation with God himself, who admitted that he intended to destroy the wicked city. Abram pleaded for mercy, which God was willing to grant. Uh, let's take a moment to reflect on this, that Abraham and God had the friendship and relationship that God was willing to listen to what Abraham had to bring. It's beautiful. Unfortunately, there weren't enough righteous people in the city. So Abram, Abraham moved south to, a, to near the city of Greer, where, again, he lied and said his wife was his sister. Well, didn't lie, told his half-truth again. This time, Sarah was taken by the king of Greer, a, na a man named Abimelech. Abimelech was on the verge of marrying Sarah when he, had a, he discovered the ruse by a divine dream. He responded by rebuking Abraham for his deception, then giving him gifts and saying that he had a special relationship with God. Finally, when Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah gave birth to a son. They called him Isaac, which means he laughs, an indication of the joy Abraham and Sarah had over their firstborn son. Abraham soon had to deal with the fact that Sarah was still upset with Hagar and Ishmael, the son that he had had with her. To appease her, Abraham sent Hagar and Ishmael away. After this, Abraham faced his greatest trial of faith. God called him to take Isaac, the long-awaited child, through whom the promise was made, and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on a distant mountain. Despite his previous episodes of unbelief, Abraham had finally learned to trust God fully. He immediately took Isaac and a few servants, set off for the distant mountain, led, and then led Isaac alone up the mountain with the implements for the sacrifice. 
Arriving at the location, Abraham prepared for a sacrifice, bound Isaac, placed him on the altar, lifted his knife, and at this moment an angel appeared, calling to him to put down the knife, because now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from, him, from me. Abraham did so, offering a near, nearby ram in his place. Him and his son returned home joyfully. Some years went by, and then Sarah eventually died. Abraham bought a cave in, the, in a field where he buried his wife and created a burial place for his family. He then sent his most trusted servant to go back to his homeland to find a wife for Isaac. Abraham married again, and this woman bare him seven sons. However, Abraham knew that Isaac was his heir. He gave them generous gifts, but he sent them away, leaving his possessions and the promise of a nationhood to his son, Isaac. And finally, Abraham died, full of years at the age of 175, and then he was buried by his sons, Isaac and Ishmael, next to his wife in the cave. After reading or listening to, what, to that, what, what stands out, what, act, what in moments stand out to you the most? Now you can go ahead and shout them out. Okay. Sacrifice of Isaac. We can sit here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it was not British. That was not what I was intending, Barney. are great. I couldn't prepare for all of what you guys might potentially say, so I prepared three that I had thought of to talk about. First, the first one that comes to mind is him leaving his family. He's 75 years old. He's lived this whole long life in one place, and God calls him out of it. Leave everything he knows. At this point, all we know of Abram's relationship with God is what he's learned about from his family. He, I mean, he's a descendant of Shem, who was Noah's son. So he's here, heard of God's righteousness. And yet, at this point, he's just like, okay, all right, let's go. He trusts him enough to leave it all. The author Philip Yancey once wrote, faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. I think this really applies well to Abram. He could... He couldn't know what was going to happen, but all he could do was obey God and the trust in the promise that God made him. Nathan spent a good time talking about this idea a couple weeks ago about Abram's journey. Hebrews 11, 8 through 10 says, By faith when Abraham, when he was called, obeyed, going out to a place where he was to receive for an inheritance, and he left, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as a stranger in the land of promise, 
as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs to the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abram left not knowing where he was going, but he knew that God was going to take him where he needed to be. The next piece that I thought was very fascinating is this covenant that God makes with Abraham. Genesis 17, 4 through 8. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall you be named Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants, and after, and after you throughout the generations as an everlasting covenant, to be the God to you and to your descendants after you. And I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land where you live as a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, I will be their God. This is incredibly incredible promise from God to Abraham. But it also takes a level of trust and foresight in Abraham to really see the weight in this. As we're looking through this covenant, I don't really see a whole lot of things within the promise that Abraham will see for himself. This speaks of the future of generations and kings from his descendants. But Abraham would be long dead by then. I see beauty in this from the point, from, from that point of view. Abraham, Abraham doesn't turn and say, wow. Seems pretty cool, God, but what about me? No, he sits back and has faith in God that he would keep his end of the agreement, which is funny when you word it like that because, you know, he's the God of the universe. Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16 says, All of these died in faith. He's talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, without receiving the promises but having seen and welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear they are searching for a country of their own. And indeed, if they have been thinking of that country which they left, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they, would have, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This scripture brings me great hope, and it totally slaps in the face of this main character syndrome that America has, where it's all about me. This is a fulfillment of something beyond what we can see. They could be at peace knowing that God was going to keep what he said. Now let's talk about what's probably the most obvious display of faith by Abraham. His taking up of Isaac on the mountain for sacrifice. This was the ultimate test of faith for Abraham. And it displays the fullness of his faith from the beginning of his journey to where he's at now. This was more than God just asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. This was God asking him to sacrifice the one who God's promise would come through. You gotta think about Abraham's mindset when he's going into this. And that, that walk home was probably the very first recorded uh, don't tell your mother story that, that we have. 
Hebrews 11, 17 through 19 gives us a little insight into his thoughts, though. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered Isaac, the one who received the promise, was offering his only son. It was he whom it was said, through Isaac your descendants shall be named. He considered that God would be able to raise him even raise people even from the dead, from which he was also received back. Abraham knew that God was either going to raise Isaac from the dead or stop him because he knew that God was a keeper of his word. The kind of trust that Abraham had in God is astounding, but I think the real beauty is, and it shows a lifetime of a relationship and what it builds. So I started thinking, like, how can we make Abraham's story of faith relatable to the kids? It's quite hard because they have nothing in common with Abraham. He's old. They're young. He's leaving his home. We got to try and keep the kids inside their home. He's asking, where, God? And they're asking, why is the sky blue? And you're like, oh. So I thought we could do a little demonstration. So Sam... If you want to come up here. Uh, now, I, you can walk around this church pretty well, right? Yeah, you know it very well. How, how well do you think you would do blindfolded? That'd be kind of hard, right? Yeah. Well, we've actually got somebody to guide you as you do it blindfolded. You know who that is? Person that you probably trust one or two the most in the world. Who would that? It is your father. So, <laughs> step down off the stage. All right, so Nathan is going to talk you through walking. Now, it's going to be kind of hard back here because there's some added obstacle. So maybe we'll just bring her back, bring her back up front. Oh, you you got to wait till you see what I do with this. This will be great. <laughs> Is it still raining out? All right, all right. Yeah, I, I did need something out of my car, so let's just see what happens here. It's a good thing you got the short hair. Well, everyone appreciates Sam and Kate's haircut. Yeah. <laughs> you, she can't tell because she's blindfolded, but everyone's clapping right now. <laughs> she's blindfolded, not bl deaf. That's true. You do need the ears are more important than the eye. I'm actually really glad I'm guiding her now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was either you or Mark. Yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Okay, Sam. So we're going to, what we're going to do, just go around the, around yeah. the auditorium? Yeah. Okay. So, no, 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 John. That Abraham, was Uncle John. Abraham wasn't dizzy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Walk forward, Sam. Walk straight forward. Turn to your left a little bit before you bump the stage. Keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. Smack Carl. No, don't do it. Okay. Keep walking, keep walking. Turn to your left. Sharp left. Straight down the aisle. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Stop. Turn to your right. Give Mark a hug. There you go. This is, there you go. That's what I like. Okay. Go straight again. Go straight, go straight, go straight, go straight. Keep going straight. Keep going straight. Go out that door. Go out that door. 
the kitchens to your right and need a water bottle. <laughs> this is great. Okay. Okay, I want you to come straight across in front of where you know the soundboard to be. Keep going. Jacob, I think she can see out of that blindfold. I don't know. She's doing this way too well, or she actually thinks she owns the church. Nope. Stop. Turn to me. Walk straight forward two steps. Turn to your right two There, go forward. There you go. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Turn to your left. Your other left. Now run forward really fast. Run, 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 run. Oh, oh. Lance tripped you. Did you see that? Run, run, quickly, 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 quickly. Okay, there we go. Yes, everyone give her a great round of applause. Now, Lance, did ha he did remove his leg, but then you still ran into him. So, Sam, were you, were you scared? Were you nervous not being able to see? No, not at all. You were supposed to say yes, but, you know, it's okay. Uh, was it reassuring, though, having your dad talk to you? Because you trust him, don't you? Sam knew that Nathan wasn't going to let her walk into a wall, even though he let her walk into Lance. Because she trusted that he would guide her. This is like Abraham. Abraham trusted that God would guide him and lead him the way, the way that he was supposed to go. Boys and girls, I'm talking to you guys now. Judah, I was just making sure you're paying attention. The relationship between Abraham and God is almost identical to your relationship that you have with your parents. You could take some notes on the obedience side of things. When your mom asks you to clean your room or do your chores and you complain instead of obeying, Abraham obeyed God because he loved and trusted him. Now, I know you all love your parents, and for the most part, you trust them. So please try to do a little bit better about obeying them. Your parents will always be there for you, and so will God. God is the ultimate parent. He loves, he corrects, he protects us. So put your faith in him. Trust him. Adults, now I'm talking to you guys. Because I know you were all asleep from that. Abraham showed amazing faith in his journey countless times. But I think what stands out and would be the most applicable to us is his faith over the cumulative journey as a whole. As we look through scripture, we see these highlights of Abraham's journey in his walk with God. But something that we may overstep is that in between these highlights, he's still following God. He's still doing what God has called him to do. There were times for Abraham where God was silent, yet he continued to follow after what was the end game. If you ever feel as though God has gone silent, Remember that he is still alongside you. Don't lose heart in the midst of the struggle. God is a faithful God. He's proven himself. He doesn't run in the face of trouble that you face. I've got to tell you, this week was kind of crazy for me. Normally, I have this real set thing of what I like to do to prepare for a message, and it just got thrown out with the garbage. Uh, 
my stress was at an unreal level. Work was going bonkers. Things were bursting. And all this, all the time that I had set aside, just I was watching it burn away. And I was, I was stunned. I didn't know what to do. I was losing my mind. So I did what any young man would do in my position. I called my mother. <laughs> I told her that I was losing my mind, that I didn't know what to do, what was going to get done, that Nathan's going to have to find somebody else. <laughs> and I have a very godly, wonderful mother. And she reminded me of all the times that God has come through. And then she asked a question. She said, do you even trust God with this? And boom! Oh, man. That just knocked me down. Because I'm supposed to be up here talking about faith that Abraham displayed. And I didn't even have faith that God would help me get through the next day. Now, did that make my week any easier? No. But it refocused me. Pointing me back to the person who can help me persevere. I want to encourage you all to live, in Abra live like Abraham in this. You don't have to leave your home and wander around forever or go to Hebron. I mean, unless you're like really going somewhere. The Kentucky one, not the other one. But I, I just want you to encourage to live by the faith of knowing that God has you. Trust in him. He's proven himself time and time again. Now let me pray for you. Dear God, I, I thank you that you are a faithful God, that you are someone that we can put our trust in and know that you are, that you've got us. Lord, I ask that you would just reassure everyone in here and that it would just encourage them to chase after you even more. Lord, I thank you for what you've done for this place. I ask that you just bless our time of fellowship afterwards.